Are you dealing with the trials of a difficult marriage or going through a separation or divorce? Welcome to the club, friend. Life is messy and it can be hard. I'm Jen Zingmark, a Christian life coach, and I have good news for you. There is a path to find hope, healing, and happiness, no matter what your circumstances are, and I can help you find joy in your journey. So let's go. Hey, y'all, and welcome. Happy back to school week. If you're like me, my kids are going back to school. My older daughter just left to go back to college to finish her second year of grad school. And my younger daughter started back to high school this week. She's a sophomore. And I hope everyone is getting all of the school supplies that you need, enjoying getting back to a regular routine and having a little more peace and quiet at your home. I know it's bittersweet because summertime is so fun. It's always nice to relax and enjoy that downtime, but it's also nice to get everyone off to school. I hope you're enjoying your back to school time. Today, I'm going to talk about how to deal with difficult people in your life. It could be a boss or a coworker, a family member, a spouse, or even an ex-spouse. We have people in our lives that we think are difficult. And if you are familiar with life coaching and my work, you know that that is just a thought. You even know that it's your thinking that causes you to feel frustrated or annoyed with people. But you may also think it would be a lot easier if my child would just help out more and do what I really want him to do. I totally get that. And we all have at least one friend or family member or in-law who is just really difficult to deal with. It's a big challenge for most of us. So today we're talking about other people's behavior, and I have great news for you. There is a way for you to live with and even respect and love the most difficult people in your life. I know that might be hard to believe, but you can even be happy with them and get exactly what you want out of your life, even if they don't change. Does that sound good to you? I hope so. We are all born as infants, and when we're brand new babies, we need our parents or our caregivers for everything. They take care of us, and they are responsible for our health and safety and happiness. And as we get a little older and a little more independent, they really go out of their way to make us happy. If you've been around a two-year-old lately, then you know they can make your life pretty miserable when they don't get what they want. We usually try to do whatever it takes to make our toddlers happy. So we start out by relying on other people for our happiness. That's just the way it's designed to be. It's not necessarily a problem until we get older, though, and become more independent. We say things to our kids all the time, like, did she hurt your feelings or did that boy hurt your feelings? We inadvertently send a message that another person can hurt your feelings, that other people are responsible for how you feel. The truth is that no other person can ever hurt your feelings unless you choose to allow them to. They don't actually have any physical control over your thinking or how you are going to feel, but you can certainly give away that power. 
We also teach kids to be cautious about how they talk to others. We teach them to be polite because we don't want them to hurt anyone else's feelings, right? We are sending the message that we also have control over other people's feelings as well as our own. I'm not suggesting that you stop teaching your children to be nice and polite because I think that's great for them to learn. I definitely taught my children to be polite. I'm trying to illustrate the point that I think we get this message at a very young age that other people have control over our thoughts and feelings. Here's the problem. It's one thing for children to believe that. And for children, it's mostly true. But as adults, this is not true. I want to share a coaching concept that I use with my clients. It's called emotional childhood. It's expected that children will be children and they will be in emotional childhood. And as children grow up, we tend to teach them to take responsibility for a lot of things in their lives, like their finances. As kids grow up, we give them allowance and we teach them a little bit about how to be responsible with money. And eventually at some point, hopefully they get taught. Now you're responsible for yourself and for paying for your bills. Here's how to balance your checking account. And we help them to learn to be smart with their money. And we teach them about how to become financially independent. We teach them that it's no longer mom and dad's responsibility to take care of them. I have several young adult children right now, and this is what we're teaching them. We're transitioning from our responsibility for them to them taking responsibility for themselves. We also teach our children about how to take care of their own health. As they get older, hopefully we taught them how to make good decisions about food that they eat and about getting exercise and staying clean and brushing their teeth and getting enough sleep and drinking water. But ultimately, they are the ones responsible for their physical health as adults. We give them the tools and knowledge and hopefully model good behavior for them about how to make healthy choices and take care of their bodies. Then we let them practice doing it while they're growing up in our home. Ultimately, they become completely responsible for maintaining their own health when they become an adult. I've tried to implement some emotional training in my home by using coaching tools and my family as I'm teaching and raising my children. And for example, one of my favorite sayings is happiness is a choice. In my experience, no one sits down and talks to their teenagers or young adults and says, Okay, now you're responsible for your own emotional health. It's no longer up to mom and dad to make you feel good or the people around you, whomever that may be, your friends or your roommates or your coworkers. It's not their responsibility to make you feel anything. It is entirely up to you. We as adults struggle with it. I am sure that we can all relate to having people in our lives at one point or another that we feel are causing us frustration or anger. We don't necessarily know how to choose happiness or how to choose a different attitude when that person isn't changing the way we believe that they should. 
it's pretty unreasonable to expect kids to just know how to do that when we don't really entirely know how to do that for ourselves most of the time. So friends, it's up to me. We're going to have the talk today, you and me, not the talk about the birds and the bees. This is the emotional maturity talk. All right, this is it. After this, it's your responsibility to step into emotional adulthood. All right. When we're young adults, we all want the freedom and independence of making our own decisions, but we don't usually want all of the responsibility that comes with it. But as adults, we all know that it's not possible to separate those. When you get the freedom and independence of making your own decisions, you get all of the responsibility that comes from those consequences, from those decisions. So I want to remind you that you are an adult now and you get to choose how you're going to feel. Nobody else has control over that unless you choose to give it to them. It is your responsibility now to control your own emotional happiness and well-being. One of the things that we tend to do as adults is we give control over how we are feeling to the people in our lives who are least capable of handling it. Think about that one person in your life that really is frustrating or difficult, who's causing you the most frustration or um, difficulty right now in your life. That daughter-in-law, coworker, or neighbor, husband, friend, whomever it is, I want you to think about that person. And then I want you to assess for a minute how capable this person is of handling their own emotional well-being in their own life. So why would you want to hand over your emotional life to this person? It's most likely the person least capable of handling it. It could be the most dysfunctional person that you know. That's why they're causing problems for you. Now, you may not like hearing this. We don't always want to hear that it's our responsibility to manage our emotions, but it's actually great news, friends. If the other person is responsible for making you feel bad, then the other person would have to be responsible for making you feel better, right? What I'm actually telling you is great news. It's great news because if somebody else can make you feel bad, if they are the reason that you're feeling bad, then you are dependent on them changing in order to feel better. The truth is we cannot control other people. We really can't. No matter how much we wish we could or how much we think we can influence or manipulate them, in the end, they get to choose how they want to behave. Other people can do whatever they want. They can behave however they choose. You get to keep the ownership and the credit for however you are feeling. Then you are the one that can make yourself feel better whenever you want to. That is the good news. You're not always going to want to feel better. We don't actually want to feel good all the time. I don't think we're meant to feel good all the time. 
even when someone else is really annoying you, if you can accept that it's your choice to be annoyed by this person, then you also keep the credit and the responsibility. Remind yourself, I'm choosing to feel annoyed by this person right now. Then what you're doing is keeping the power. You're owning your responsibility for your own emotional well-being. You're keeping the control and you're keeping the ability to feel differently. Whenever you choose to, my friends, we are what I call emotional adults. That is very good news. What I want you to keep an eye out for when it comes to other people is resistance. Okay. Resistance is one of the areas where we can waste so much time, energy, and thoughts. And it really drains us from being able to move forward and create the lives that we want to show up as the people that we want to be. So when it comes to other people, here's what resistance looks like. When we're resisting other people's behavior, we think a lot about what they do and why they should change. We probably talk about it a lot with our friends or our spouse. We probably have people in our lives, our family members, coworkers, or other people that agree with us that this person should be different. It tends to be a topic of our conversations often. Like, can you believe she did this? I can't believe she acts that way. We get hyper-focused on other people's behavior, why it's wrong and how we wish they should change, how they should change. Whether we're actually having these conversations with people around us, or we're just thinking these thoughts to ourselves, we spend a lot of our time stuck and these thoughts about other people and how they should be different. The other thing that is a real sign or a big sign of resistance is the surprise. Okay. I want you to think about this for a minute. When I have a client that comes to me and tells me about someone in their life and how they're behaving and how it's impacting them negatively, I like to ask a question along the lines of is this person always this way, or is it just when they're around you? Usually my client will respond, oh, this is how they always are. They treat everyone this way. Okay. So then I'll ask a question like, have they always acted this way? Or is this a new behavior that they just started a new pattern that they just started behaving this way? And most of the time when my client is in resistance, they will say, They've been doing this for 10 years. I can tell you examples from 10 years ago when they were doing this. So the next question I will ask is, then why are you surprised? Why do you think you're so surprised if they've always acted this way and you've noticed it for a very long time and you have many, many examples of this bad behavior? Why do you think you're so surprised? The good question to think about if this is happening in your life. When my clients think about it logically, they usually answer and say, well, yeah, I guess when I think about it, I'm really not surprised. I just can't believe they haven't changed yet. I can't believe they keep having this bad behavior. 
So the truth is they're surprised because they're in a place of resistance. They think that when someone behaves badly over and over and over again, that because they've put in all this thought and focus and effort, and they've talked about it with everyone, that all of that energy is somehow going to make them change and be different than they are. That is resistance, friends. And it is a total waste of time, effort, attention, and energy. Can you see how it's draining from your life, keeping you from having the relationships and the life that you really want to have? And it's keeping you from feeling better, even especially about this person. It really wastes your time and it drains your energy and your spirit. The question is, how do we let it go? How do we get out of resistance? Well, the key to changing any behavior is always to examine your thoughts. And the first step is always separating your thoughts from the facts of the situation. We need to figure out what you're thinking that's causing you so much pain and suffering because it's always your thoughts causing your feelings. It's not another person. It is your thoughts and your feelings. Okay. That is the only thing you have control over. You don't have control over other people. Other people get to do whatever they want. They get to show up however they want. They can behave however they would like to. When you accept that and let go of trying to change or influence other people, I am telling you, you will find freedom, friends. So we need to figure out what you're thinking that is causing you so much pain and frustration. All right. I want to give you an example to think about so you can apply it in your life. So let's imagine that you have a daughter-in-law who doesn't come to family activities. You believe that she doesn't like the family. She doesn't support your family. She doesn't want to be a part of your family. And you have a lot of anger and resentment and frustration about this. So what we need to do in this situation is separate out the facts. Okay. First of all, the facts would be things like she has not attended five out of the last seven family events. That's a fact. Another fact is that you have a daughter-in-law. This woman is married to my son. The next question that I want you to ask yourself is, why is this a problem for me? I want you to really think about it. Dig deep and think about why is it a problem that your daughter-in-law doesn't come to family events, okay? You probably are going to come up with things like, she should show up. Something is wrong with her. She doesn't love our family. She doesn't value us. Um, so just keep asking, why is this a problem? If you feel like, you know, something is wrong with her, then why? So get really specific and I want you to write it out. Sometimes it's helpful to see it written down on paper. And I want you to take a look at the thoughts you're having. I want you to think of a thought like clothing. Okay. You can try on different thoughts and just keep the ones you like. Okay. They're not automatic. And you don't have to just keep the ones that your brain is offering up. Like there's something wrong with her. She should come to our family gathering. She should value our family. She should appreciate all I do. 
those thoughts are not serving you. You need to just take them off, get rid of them like outdated clothing. I want you to look at them objectively. I love Byron Katie's teachings that we should flip our thoughts, okay? Which is try on the opposite. Just try out the opposite thought of whatever you're having. See if there's any truth in it, which is really powerful when you're dealing with other people. So when we flip it to the opposite thought, I want you to ask yourself, why don't I respect my daughter-in-law? If your thought was, my daughter-in-law doesn't respect me, I want you to ask yourself, why don't I respect her? Or how am I not respecting her? Now, don't let yourself off the hook by saying, I don't know, because your brain's going to want to offer you that. There's an answer. And I want you to dig deep and think about it. If I really respected her feelings about family activities, I might think she should come, but maybe I could give her permission to not come if she doesn't want to. If I believe she's disrespecting our family by believing that she should come to our activities, then I'm not respecting her by allowing her to behave and feel however she wants to. Can you see how there is truth in the opposite thought as well? And then you can ask yourself, well, which one is true? She doesn't respect me or I'm not respecting her. They're both just thoughts, okay? And there's probably some truth in both of them. The goal is to choose the thought that creates the feelings that you want to have. So if you want to have love for your daughter-in-law, you need to choose a thought that cultivates feelings of love. It may take several times of trying on different thoughts to get to the one that drives the feeling, that creates the feelings of love and appreciation and respect for your daughter-in-law, okay? That's just one example that I have for you. I want you to ask yourself, how do I want to feel about this difficult person in my life? And then choose the thoughts that create the feelings that you want to have. Like I said, think of it like clothing. Just try on different thoughts and choose the ones that serve you. It can be really helpful to flip the thought and consider the opposite of whatever you're thinking. All right. With the daughter-in-law example, think, how does she respect our family? How might the opposite be true? Well, if she doesn't want to come and be at our family gatherings, then It's actually very respectful to not come rather than to come and protest and be grumpy and act like she doesn't want to be there. It's actually more respectful for her not to come. You know, maybe she's showing up with the ultimate authenticity by not coming. If you believe she's not loving and accepting your family, ask yourself the question, How am I not loving and accepting my family? I know what you're thinking. What? How could that possibly be true? But it could be true that you're not loving and accepting your daughter-in-law because if you were, you would just love her 
and accept her whether she came to family gatherings or not. You would be okay with her not coming. You wouldn't be adding additional meaning to her coming or not that is causing you pain. You wouldn't be adding on meaning that we're not good enough for her or she doesn't appreciate our family. Okay. It's that additional meaning that causes pain and, and hurt feelings. It's not true. They're just thoughts. The truth is we are all good enough. We are all amazing, valuable, wonderful individuals, regardless of how anyone behaves or whether or not anyone recognizes it. I like to say we're all million dollar bills crumpled or torn or tattered. We're still worth the same amount. All right. Everyone is valuable. If I truly respected our family, would I need my daughter-in-law to be there? Just think about it. I wanted to share this example with you so that you could see all the different thoughts and um, how flipping them could really change it. This is the work that I do with my clients. And it's hard for some people to do on their own. So if you want help dealing with a difficult person in your life, I will help you. It is easy to choose thoughts that feel good when other people behave how we want them to. But in the end, it comes down to choices. There may be people in your life who you have a really difficult time choosing empowering thoughts around. And you may choose not to hang around with them or not to be around them very often. That's totally fine. But I want to encourage you to keep the ownership over your feelings. And if this person is someone that you don't want to cut out of your life, then you get to change how you're thinking about them and about your interaction with them. This is emotional adulthood, friends, and you can do it. It's possible. I want you to think of thoughts as trying on clothes, and I want you to practice trying on different thoughts, experimenting with the feelings that you have when you try on different thoughts, especially about those difficult people in your life. All right. I also want to challenge you to pay attention to situations in your life that you're resisting. If you're really hyper-focused and dwelling on a situation or a person and just talking about it a lot and wishing and hoping they would change, then you're probably resisting that situation. And if you're surprised that they haven't changed yet, you're definitely resisting their behavior and not accepting them for who they want to be, right? Remember, as adults, we all get to show up in the world and be however we want to be. And resisting other people's behavior just causes you problems. It's not always easy. I'm not saying it's, it's easy work to do, but it is rewarding. When you can let go of resistance and frustration, you will get to the point where you can accept and like and even love those difficult people in your life. We can learn, we can all learn to be aware of our thoughts, direct them to make ourselves feel however we want to feel. You are entirely in control of your own emotions. You are an adult now. 
So welcome to emotional adulthood. I'm telling you, it's a great place to live. You're going to love it here. If you're dealing with a difficult marriage, going through a separation or divorce, or just dealing with difficult people in your life, the most important thing that you can do is understand the critical role that your thoughts and feelings play in your life. It is a vital time to be empowered with this knowledge and direct your thoughts and focus on getting the results you want to achieve in your life going forward. As you learn to direct your thoughts, you can feel love for yourself, for others, for everyone in your life. This is the work that I do in coaching, and it would be my honor and privilege to be your coach. So reach out to me and let's chat if you want some help dealing with the difficult people in your life. Bye y'all. Are you struggling with the trials of divorce? There is a path to find joy in your journey. I would love to help you. Go to jenzingmark.com to get all the info. There you'll find a free download to help you start thinking happier thoughts today. And you can sign up to receive my weekly newsletter. If you like what you've heard here and want to dive deeper into this work, sign up for a free mini session with me. This is just the tip of the iceberg, my friends. There is so much more. I would love to work with you and be your life coach.